And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up here on the Smith River in the beautiful state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme. Dr. E, she was calling me out at Music and Sky for not saying that. Of course, freedom still reigning supreme here up in the great state of Jefferson. It's a mindset. It's a way of life. People don't give a beep about government here, I tell you. Um, but it's great to be back. We just uh, got back from Music and Sky. It was an amazing week. I just want to thank everybody who came out and collaborated with us that attended. I'm wearing one of our shirts, Truth, Love, and Freedom shirts. And it was the theme of the weekend, and it was outstanding. So just uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, everybody who came out. Um, lives were changed. People's uh, have transformed themselves in so many ways. And what's most important is friendships were created and lots and lots of friendships were created. So thank you. I feel like we have uh, an amazing community that's coming out of Alpha Vedic and, and going into things like uh, Music and Sky and uh, with our co-op and everything going on. It's just, it's so fun to see uh, everything trans transitioning, right? From things like an Alpha Cast or stuff we do on Telegram into the real world where people are hugging and seeing each other and dancing and have eye to eye contact in our in our each other's fields. It was really breathtaking. And all the speakers too, you guys all crushed it. Um, it was just, uh, I don't think there was a bad moment really uh, in the whole weekend. I mean, there was a couple silly moments for sure. Um, but overall people were just beaming with joy and it was just awesome. So thanks everybody for coming out and, um, we appreciate you and we'll announce, uh, when reunion, well, we did announce by the way, bear, I didn't even tell you we're, we're, um, reunion summit, which our guest today, Tom Barnett was also on. We announced the date, Josh Del Sol and I announced the date, uh, which will be November 5th, very special, uh, date, of course, Guy Fox day. So we will be uh, launching on 11.5 and it'll be culminating on 11.11.2021 for the final day. So uh, we look forward to that. Uh, the, the reason why we have so much time is because we uh, or we'll be adding a lot more talks and editing a lot of stuff. And I know Josh Del Sol was just visiting with Bear and Deb up at our farm and we're shooting some fun stuff. So we're going to add a lot more uh, content to the summit besides what recorded at Music and Sky. So mark your calendars, Reunion Summit, November 5th. You've heard it first here unless you were at the event. Today, we, uh, oh, and another couple things too, Bear. Um, I know uh, we want people still to uh, go to our Patreon, join the co-op, and most importantly, we're still working towards getting the Spagyrics Lab built and um, some other structures on the land. We've got a, a GoFundMe still running for that. So if you guys want to support us, you want to come up and see us at the farm. That was probably the number one request at Music and Sky. When can we see you at the farm? When can we see Bear and Deb and come and visit and, and learn what you guys are doing? Well, as soon as we um, can have the facilities to support you. So um, if you guys can help us there, that would be wonderful. You can find all that information at alphabetic.com. We have a GoFundMe running to help us uh, uh, finish those projects. We will get them done no matter what. But if you can uh, send us a little love your way, our way, uh, that would get it done faster because we do want to uh, have you guys up here. Uh, it's a place of learning and something we, we really are focused on doing and, and it will get done. But um, you can help uh, expedite the process faster by supporting us either at our co-op, patreon.com forward slash alphavedic or uh, on our GoFundMe, which you can find on our website. Without further ado, we are so lucky today to have Tom Barnett with us again. Tom will actually be the first guest to be on the show three times. So take that, Andy Kaufman. 
<laughs> um, we would have Andy on a lot more too. He's busy, but that's awesome, Tom. You are one of our favorite people. Uh, return guest and special friend of AlphaCast, Tom Barnett from Australia joins us today. Uh, he is a holistic health practitioner who studied both conventional and alternative methods. He found most of what he learned to be theory only because when faced with his own health issues, he was forced to find real answers. Tom's questioning mind has given him a unique point of balance in several different fields, and Tom speaks only from experience rather than theory. He has been a political candidate, practiced true law, written two books, and has lived homeless and without money. He always puts an experience before material or monetary gain, which has given him many valuable lessons. Tom's main goal with the client or audience is to inspire them to open new avenues of thought. He's the founder of Global Biodynamics, which has become an impactful voice in the world of education, health, finance, organic farming, conservation, and more. The art of thinking for oneself is a central theme in the seminars, retreats, and corporate events sponsored by Global Biodynamics. And we'll have a front row seat with Tom today as we go into this. I, I briefly titled this, The Solution for Everything is Inside You with Tom Barnett and Dr. Bear Lando. Uh, Bear, how are you today? Hey, doing good. Good to see you back, Mike. And uh, everything you described at the event sounds extremely subversive, but I'll just let it go at that. Um, but I'm glad you all had a good time. <laughs> and uh, Tom, my friend, uh, good to see you. We, we had a recent chat not too long ago, so always great to reconnect with you. And, uh, you know, I don't know where to start. You know, I do love talking to you because you're one of those few people I know that, uh, you know, draws from all the arenas and sees how all the pieces kind of mesh together and you're a great dot connector. And, and, and I love that about you. So this be an interesting talk. And I, I guess my, my first question to you today is, uh, you know, what the hell's going on out there? <laughs> you know, I don't know whether to laugh or cry, you know, Deb and I'll look at the, uh, at the headlines for the day. And it's, it's really comical. I mean, you know, I read them and it's kind of our little comedy skit in the morning, you know, just with the, the creature classes trying to provoke or, or, you know, get over on for, for the day, you know, there's always some great new story and, and it's really pretty hilarious, but you wonder, okay, who's, who's actually buying this stuff and believing it. And uh, you know, darn well that the people that are, behind the scenes cooking this stuff up or laughing their asses off. I mean, they have to be, I sure would be, uh, you know, they're just like, whoa, these people are still believing this stuff and let's see how far more we can push it and how much more they'll put up with. So anyway, Tom, good to have you here. And, uh, you know, you bring so much to the table, everything from, you know, just wellness and maleness, which is a great one these days, as males have been, uh, you know, put on the hit list for, for uh, you know, number one terrorist organization on the planet. And, um, you know, just, uh, um, you know, politics, sovereignty, uh, farming, you and I were talking about that just a few days ago. And um, so let's, let's just kind of get into it, maybe with how are things going in Australia? Because I hear a lot of crazy stuff down there. And, and uh, also behind the scenes, I hear a lot of people are not wanting to put up with it too much any longer. But of course, you won't see that on the nightly news. So what's going on? What's, uh, what's, uh, what's the barometer say? It's a little of everything, actually, that you just said. There's, there is a lot of very strange behavior as far as the powers that want to be 
but people are on the on the average they're actually you're starting to feel a lot of unrest and one thing about australians is that they don't like to be pushed too far <laughs> australians are pretty placid and complacent and that's why it's relatively easy to take over something like australia but then the flip side of that is that while australians are a little bit too placid and uh, let things run over them if it goes too far they don't really like it so I think we're getting more to that stage, although there is a lot of complacency still. You know, when you say it's a comedy show, it's some of the things that people say or believe or will do without questioning is really interesting. It's really, yeah, it is amazing. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of people. We Tell you what's happening here in our part of the country is that we've got a very proactive community and people are going out and actively engaging others in the community, including business owners, uh, you know, shop workers, police, um, people of all walks of life, and finding out that realistically, they don't want to be wearing a mask. They don't, they think that something's not really right, but they're just not sure enough to be able to take off a mask or not scan a QR code or not follow orders. But they're still in that realm of being something's not quite right. So what we're doing is giving educational materials, we're talking to them, we're al allowing them, giving them permission because you know how like as a child, you need permission, right? It's like, dad, can I have an ice cream? Or can I go outside and play on the swing? Can I go here? Can we go over there? You've always asking permission as a child. So those that have not yet really graduated from childhood to adulthood are really at the end of the day, asking for permission. And by us going out and either giving educational material or just giving, you know, hey guys, it's okay. If you don't want to wear a mask, the government guidelines actually tell you you don't have to wear one. Do you want to take it off? You can. And they're like, oh, good. <laughs> they just throw it off. Like, good. I've been given the permission. So it's that stage I think that humanity in general is at is that adolescent stage where they're graduating from that childlike state of needing permission to go here or go there or do this or wear that or not wear it. And then graduating to, no, I can think for myself and this is what I'm going to do today. Yeah. So what do you think it is where some of us just um, don't get in line? You know, I've always been a contrarian, even as a kid, you know, if you told me to do something, I'd do the opposite just to spite you, you know, and, but, you know, there's just that kind of ingrained sort of in some of us, I think it's closer to the services. Ah, no, thanks. You know, I'll do my own thing. But then other folks just really seem to relish being told what to do. I think it's kind of a safety zone for them, or is it, something deeper on a, you know, kind of a psycho spiritual level. So uh, what's going on with these folks here? Well, I can only put my experience on forward. I don't know the actual answer, but to me, it's, it is, it does have a lot to do with that. That is where most people are and they crave it. There's many quotes from many different people. Funnily enough, speaking about a comedy show, they often put that kind of material into the Simpsons, Futurama, uh, What's that other one? Rick and Morty, which are all run by, made by Freemasons. And it's interesting that they put in the structure of society, but not just the structure of society, within that, the structure of the mind and then the structure of the spirit. They actually embed that within a lot of these uh, comedies. And they actually have several times showing that people often beg to be ruled. They beg to be ruled because that's the state that they're in. So when you say it's a psycho spiritual element, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, on, a, on another level, looking at the way that the reality that we live in is structured, it does appear to me, 
having watched things over and over enough just out in the world is that there are particular archetypes and characters that enter into the realm. And a lot of those are the ones that are the, you know, the pawns on a chessboard, so to speak. They're not really players. They're just there as kind of almost fodder, just not really aware of things and not really self-aware. And those are the ones that need to be ruled. They don't think for themselves. I think some people refer to them as non-player characters. There's various different roles and archetypes. If you look at it as a script or a narrative, and they obviously make up the majority. And I think that they're there as a barometer for those of us who do have a role to play because it gives us like, oh, okay, that's, do you know what I mean? It's, it's our barometer to see where things are at and more so where we are at because we can observe that and then think, hmm, and is what part of them is in me? You know, what part of me is not actually fully embodied and engaged at this point? And so... I don't know that that's the answer, but I just think that, that they're there by design and they're to give us a reference point as to where we are in that spectrum as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, the archetype is, is interesting and there's a lot of angles to look at that. And you can even get pretty scientific about it. You know, if you go into the Enneagram and then look at the Enneagram from a, a standpoint of what we'll call it waveform physics that we always talk about here. Uh, you realize, uh, depending on those little angulations and inclinations that we all come into, you know, by way of our life experience and what we bring into this lifetime in the first place, we all have a little rub, so to speak. And, uh, you know, there's there's nine different points and and depending kind of where you fall on that, that creates your challenges in life and also your opportunities, then you find that you have um, it, uh, you know, sort of a tendency to react in certain ways. Some people react out of fear. Some people are more into the glamour of things. So they might just want to go along because they feel like, you know, they're part of the club that way. And then, uh, you know, some people uh, operate out of anger, you know, and, and get ticked off that way. And, and then there's uh, even one master point that can kind of relate to everybody and I think that's uh, when you round the bend, you've had a life, ex lot of life experience and you're, you know, really ready to get on with it. Then you can just sort of, yeah, relate to everything, but not necessarily react or get caught up in any polarity in the first place. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, part of what I made my business with for many years, you know, because realizing in, in physical medicine, there's always that psychological uh, spiritual, emotional, not just a component that's related, but the thing that's actually creating the whole shebang in the first place. So in um, Australia now, are they imposing more restrictions? Uh, are they, um, are you guys on lockdown or, or what's going on with that? It varies depending on the place in the country. So some places have been in lockdown, some places aren't. And there's mask mandates currently in a lot of places, but it always falls in line with the school holiday period. <laughs> you know, it's like mm -hmm. you can set your watch mm -hmm. to when there'll be masks and lockdowns and anything else. Like it, that's the comical part. You know, everyone can just go, all right, here it comes, here it comes. Yep, there it is. And then other people are going, how did you know that was going to happen? And you just go, well, you know, if you open your eyes a little, it's quite easy to see. So uh, it, it affects different places differently. So I live in a place that's not a major city. Major cities get hit the hardest because obviously the cities have the highest population, uh, you know, the, the most concentrated mass of both infrastructure and people, and it's the easiest to control. Highest police 
numbers uh, highest everything, you know, so easiest to control. And also the focal point of control. Nobody really cares about the rural farmland and stuff. Nobody ever, nobody cares. Nobody talks about it. It's never on the news. It's whatever the media can cover and whatever puts the highest state of fear into the world. You know, I, I know you guys talk about it as well, that the fear itself has a frequency and it's actually food for certain types of entities. And then the more they can create that, the more they're creating food for their system. So hitting cities is obviously the biggest bang for buck. You try to do that out in the rural areas and the farmlands where people just go, get out of here. You know, it doesn't, there's not enough numbers and there's not enough fear being able to be put into people who live closer to nature. So it's cities are the focal point. So we are currently in a mask uh, period. No one's really wearing them around here. Although actually there's a surprising amount when you go near shops. But again, there's a lot of people on holidays. So that kind of skews, I think, the picture. There's a lot of compliance, more so than we expected. But within our community, obviously, people are you know, thinking for ourselves and doing the right thing. So overall, it's a very, very positive effect. And as I said earlier, that effect is spreading to those who are currently still on the fence. They're not really sure. They haven't been able to put two and two together. And with a little bit of information such as, funnily enough, the government's own guidelines that say you don't have to wear a mask for various reasons. Those could be you have difficulty breathing, you could have skin conditions, you could have past trauma. It could just cause you general distress. There's so many reasons that you don't have to wear a mask according to the government guidelines themselves. And all people need to do is look that up. You know, and they go, hey, that actually covers me. I don't have to wear a mask, nor do I have to show a medical exemption because I'm not medically exempt per se. I'm just exempt because I can't wear one. It's as simple as that. And people have actually gone to the effort of calling a police department and then, hey, listen, I had someone come into my store. They said they're exempt. They said they don't have to show me. I'm worried that if police come in, I can get fined. Do they have to show me? Can I ask? Can I get fined? And the police straight from their mouth. No, no, if they're exempt, that's the end of the story. Now, there are police that go around harassing and threatening people. Uh, that's just to cause, again, a show. It can end up in the media or social media. And it can cause unrest and distrust and fear within the community. Again, that's the food that they need. But if you follow the reality of the situations, obviously there's nothing that can be done. So then, you know, there's, you've got to look at what's going on. It's like, you've got to look at it like it's a play or a film script. You know, you've got to write in the inciting incident. You've got to write in, you know, the, the climax and then, the, the, you know, the hero's journey. You've got to write it in there. And so if you look at it from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah Sounds pretty similar to over here. You know, you go down to the general store and you can tell the tourists because they're the ones with the mask, you know, because it's a rural area. <laughs> and yeah. They're the only ones that are going in there and you're just saying like, what, what are you guys doing? Sorry, Mike, I jumped in. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you get like those one or two viral videos, right? Of the gentleman recently who was eating outside without a mask and the police came in and uh, in your neck of the woods. I think that was in Sydney and um, they took him away. And then it, that spreads across the, the world and everyone says Australia is going to hell. Right. So we, it's good to talk to someone with boots on the ground. And it, and it is interesting that it seems like you always have a way to opt out. They always give you a way. Um, because this is an opt-in slavery system, right? That's what we, we talk about a lot because going back to commerce and going back to the way the laws actually work, um, people are, they do, we do have free will and they have to abide by that, but they do it in a really sneaky way. Uh, Tom, how, how have you seen though in general, 
um, when we talked last time in, in terms of the quote unquote awakening, um, and this could relate to the devil's prick too, or the happy juice are in your, in your mind, is there, is that wave going up more awakening or is it fear taking over? And in your mind also, the second question, is it true that there's some have said that there's up to like 75% of Aussies don't want to uh, get the uh, devil's prick? So the first question, I think it's both. There's, uh, I think it usually does run concurrently anyway, a lot of the time as something's going up, you generally have this divergence and there are a lot of, there is an awakening, absolutely. There's also a lot of people who are devolving. And what I see that as is the natural progression of those who will come through this shift in you know, across the earth itself. There's a shift going on. And what we're seeing is a representation or a manifestation of that. It's happening at a, at a much greater cosmological level. And then what humanity is doing is simply replicating that. So there are the people that are definitely on the up. And there's those that are on the, uh, the old slippery slide. And those are the ones that are going to be part of the deep population. And it's simply, as you said, it's an opt-in. So it's by some kind of spiritual choice that they are making that decision. So I'm seeing both is the answer to the question. The second part of that is, yeah, there's a huge number of people who are not taking the vaccine. They've set up vaccination hubs in various places which are not being attended. There's a lot of people who've got this jab, the devil's brick, as you call it. They, they have. And, uh, you know, that's just, it's one of those things. It's perplexing because you, you show them if, well, if they look, anyone can see it. The government's own stats says there's like one death, which is still a made up one in Australia from COVID and hundreds of deaths from the vaccine and tens of thousands of side effects from the vaccine. Yet people still think it's a good idea to go ahead and, and get that. So it's like, there's the massive cognitive dissonance there. But these are the children, you know, these are the ones who cannot fathom that their safety and security would come from any place other than a God. And that God is the pharmaceutical vaccine, medical industry and the media. So without that, it's very hard for a mortal man or woman to present something of common sense to them and they'll take it in because they're not a God. They're not godlike. the way that the medical, pharmaceutical and, me and media uh, industry is in their mind. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure what's, that's why they keep putting out these threats, right? They put threats out, which are offers in commerce, in the media, such as they're going to bring in 30, or they have brought in 35,000 troops and the military is going to be going around offering people a vaccine. And eventually they want everybody in the country to be vaccinated. But if you just think logically about that, you know how big Australia is, as if it would even be in the realm of possibility to vaccinate everyone in the country. It's not even possible. So what they're doing is they're putting something out there that appears threatening and will incite fear and perhaps obedience in the population because people are freaking out saying, what happens if the military comes to my door? What do I do? You know, how do I protect my family? And you, so realistically, they're already winning, right? Because that's what they want. They want people fearing for their life. What do I do? What do I do? The reality is that, hey, the army might go around some places and they'll knock on the door and they say, hey, would you like to get the vaccine? And you just say, no, thank you. And they go, see you later. Most of them, the military are very polite. Now, the interesting point here, though, is that I don't think that they've been able to enlist the military to do it. So the story is they've brought in foreign troops. So these are part of George Soros's uh, UN, you know, world police army network, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, Team America, World Police, whatever they want to bring in. And, uh, and that's what's got people worried because they've given themselves some kind of uh, immunity where none of our laws apply and this, that and the other. But at the end of the day, I still see that as an empty threat at this stage because it would just go against every form of not only codes of conduct or governance or commerce or natural law to be able to do that. And I would imagine that the rest of the world would probably have something to say about that. So I just, I'm just saying from my own point of view, just having experienced and observed a lot, but I don't see that as a reality. I see it as they are currently winning by allowing the population to accept that fear propaganda narrative. And that I think is their primary objective. And so where it goes from there, not sure yet, but it does depend on the people. If the people roll over and they buy the fear, well, then they've succeeded. But if the people say no and say we don't consent, then the people win. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you said something important earlier, and that is that um, certain entities feed off of fear. And that's a very real thing because this is a real parasitic class or uh, you know, whether it's the people or inter interdimensional uh, intelligence behind them, who knows, you know, that, that those are all fun discussions. But either way, they literally feed off of any kind of emotion. If they can tick you off, if they can um, confuse you, if they can uh, make you fearful, if they can just in any way keep you in your lower chakras, that, you know, we don't understand that we are all very powerful batteries that are generating energy and qualifying that energy at all times. So the only thing that can, uh, they cannot feed off of, of course, is love and um, which is the opposite of all those other things. So they have to keep us agitated in, in so many ways in order to just have existence. So I, I think there's a much deeper discussion even than just having control over the herds. It's actually that these, uh, you know, predator parasites live and thrive off of all these energies. And, uh, and, and I just bring that up and wanted to expand a little bit about, you know, you bringing it up because in that also lies the solution. And of course that brings us back into every one of us as individuals uh, just has to become a little bit more masterful and, and maybe disciplined about governing, uh, you know, how we qualify the energy that comes into our being every single moment. And uh, every single one of us that does not consent by becoming agitated in one way or the other is just one less battery feeding the beast. So it's a pretty simple solution. And, uh, you know, and I, I think uh, the main stumbling block with a lot of us is we always want to look at other people that are still on the fear train and just say, you know, you know, and get upset at that and say, you know, why are you guys doing that? Knock it off. And but, you know, we can't have any concern about that either, because then that just brings us back into an emotional state where they can feed off us. So. It's, it's really, you know, as Mike and I have said on this show before, it's really requiring our A game at this point in time. Yeah, and that, it's interesting when you refer to herds and things, it's generally that, that relates to farming and farming of the energy. So that's what I see society mostly as is, like you said, like a battery farm, like exactly like the Matrix movie that shows that in the, in the literal sense. And for me as well, yeah, absolutely that, Everything to me is the offer. So it's that inside out world. So the more we still have 
you, if you check in with yourself, you say, wow, I'm really feeling like agitated about this, or I feel anger about that or apathy about that or sadness about that or regret, or, you know, like, why am I even here? This makes no sense. You know, if you've got that going on, first of all, as you said, those are the lower emotions. They carry the most metaphysical weight, the weighty ones of the food. And then, so if we're doing that, it's just an invitation to go, well, I am feeling like that. Why do I hate the government so much? Why do I despise Bill Gates and Zuckerberg, who's pro- who's definitely not even a human at this stage? <laughs> yeah, for, and, uh, you know, you just kind of, if the degree to which that has a reaction is the degree to which inside of us, we still need to dissolve those or burn through that block. What, what's creating that? What's having that reaction in us? To the point where if you can look at the world the way that it is and have just go, okay. And then you know that you've, you're much more clean inside and therefore we're not giving up the food. So to me as well, while those emotions are the, the energy or the battery system for the system, one less, like you said, one less battery is one thing, but when somebody is self-realized and harnessing their own energy, I, in my experience, and this is just spitballing a number, I have no idea what the number is, but it's many times more powerful. And from what I can tell, it's actually would be tens of thousands of times more powerful. Imagine it's two batteries. One of the batteries that serves a system has a value of say 10, but a battery that serves itself, that is self-generating and self-replicating, well, that's something like 150,000 units of the energy that so it's you know it's many more times a stronger battery when it's a self-governing and self-realized energy unit and then to do that obviously as you said love is that uh is the universal kind of antidote to that the one that builds that energy but to me also so is creativity and when somebody's agitated fearful angry down and low they're not very creative so to me if we're creating so that's like the way that you don't have to know much about metaphysics, for example, or figure that out. You can just go, well, I just need to be creative. Well, I'll just write some music. I'll sing a song. I'll write a poem. I'll arrange some flowers. I'll build something out of my, with my hands, out of mud, out of clay, out of wood, out of hammer and nails. You know, Being creative is what they are not. They need a herd to be creative for them. So therefore, just be creative for us. It's almost like by default, then you separate from that energy source and then create the, our own. Our creation and our creative ability is that battery that can just bring forth much energy because that's the power of creation in the first place, which is how we got here in the first place. It wasn't through them. So we can create that separate higher energy class by virtue of being creative ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And uh, I, I think also that old saying, when two or more gather in my name, uh, you know, has special uh, significance these days because folks like yourself, when you get together with like-minded people, now that exponentially creates even more power. And, uh, and you know, universal power, of course, is, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty powerful compared to uh, a handful of the predator class that are trying to upset the universe somehow and think they're going to do an end around and get away with it. And so, you know, it's just a matter of uh, which you say, you know, when you come into that point of singularity within yourself and you have your own experience proving how powerful it is. And then you get the other, uh, you know, you know, along with other folks that are on the same path and uh, you realize it really doesn't take that many numbers to change everything that's going on in this planet that we don't want to see anymore. So um, 
How about uh, uh, you have a lot of expertise, I know, and just, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say paperwork, but just processes that uh, uh, go along with, um, you know, withdrawing your consent, consent or transferring liability to the, uh, you know, the, the folks that are trying to, uh, you know, control you and everything. So any new developments in that arena or any Not success that you're having least. down there? Well, it's more just coming from Holly. So what I'm doing at the moment is uh, helping people to learn more about communication and communication being how we handle ourselves verbally to begin with, how we actually, because a notice, for example, whether it's of liability or notice of conditional acceptance, a lot of people are just, they're new to rights in general, not just reserving their rights, but what are my rights in general? And so when you hand off a piece of paper without really knowing where it came from, you didn't create it yourself, it's a template, uh, you don't really understand what's going on with it, there's an element missing of that energetic imprint that goes with it. It doesn't carry as much power. And when it's something that hasn't come from you, it can be taken away, right? If it's not your power that's been transferred forward, it was given to you, therefore can be taken away. So rather than going down that place, although it has a lot of value, I find it's more important at this stage of the game for people to get where that's coming from in the first place. So through learning how to communicate more effectively with not just their words and what they're saying, but how to navigate commerce, because the language in commerce is a different language to the language of just us speaking freely as brothers. You know, we can speak, we can use like words like you're a good person or yeah, I'll do that. Or no, that's not right. Like make claims, make assertions, uh, you know, argue with each other. There's no dishonor there because it's not commercial, it's private. But when we're dealing in the world of the public and we're dealing in commerce, then it's a completely different language. It may as well be some, it may as well be a, a literally a different language where you can't make claims. You've got to only ask questions. You can't answer questions. There's lots of little rules that mean that you will be a creditor or a debtor in that world of commerce. So what I'm doing is helping people learn how to communicate so that they are not inadvertently giving away power and giving somebody else authority that they don't actually have. And so that is then empowering the individual, which means that they grow it from the inside and then that can't be taken away. So that's my primary focus at the moment is going into the communication aspect and the difference between communicating in commerce or in the public and communicating privately with your brothers and sisters. Yeah, we, we could relate this a little bit to what's going on with uh, uh, our friend David Rodriguez, who is in Santa Cruz, California. He was supposed to speak at reunion or excuse me, at Music and Sky last weekend. He was arrested on Wednesday. Um, he was... Um, kind of hit hit our our circle of friends last summer because he was able to get the beaches to open up in Santa Cruz by just having his friends go surfer friends and buddies just hang out on the beach during the quote unquote lockdown and when the police came to kick him out they said then get come get us we're not going to move and there was too many of them and they said well uh this is you're not supposed to be here well we're here and long story short the um uh was it the mayor went on the news and said the people refuse to be ruled so we've opened up the beaches and, um, and that was awesome. So then he's moved on to now, I mean, he's a voluntarist and he doesn't believe that we should have need licenses to travel. And, um, and so recently um, I will read this. 
I believe in the right to travel without government permission and have been pulled over numerous times for not displaying a license plate. When I recently went to court to represent myself, the judge cleared the court so there would be no witnesses and I was arrested for quote unquote obstruction. I was declared incompetent and assigned a public defender against my will. Now I'm stuck behind bars for two weeks for quote unquote quarantine and I'm waiting to have two separate doctors do psych exams, which could take up to a month. They are claiming that I am trying to defraud the DMV. I challenged the system in a peaceful way, similar to Martin Luther King's civil disobedience, and I'm now being punished for it by a progressive city and their cronies. Call blah, blah, blah. And this is on our Telegram channel if people want to support. Support, David. And so we shared this, and our lovely community started to point out what he did wrong. Um, <laughs> and so David obviously is a is a warrior and we're and i've actually connected him to a, a couple folks uh in uh, the on on the common law side uh, uh over here that are now helping him assisting him but i'm curious to get your perspective on this tom on exactly on it from a commercial point of view on maybe some things david could have done better uh there to keep him out of jail i think this is kind of a cool i'm not cool because i it sucks that David's in jail, but this is an interesting um, case that could give us a little real world, um, uh, you know, a real world example of maybe some things he could have done differently to stay out of uh, being imprisoned. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, your uh, <laughs> your system's a little different to ours, but just from a general point of view, it sounds like it was starting to make a lot of claims that weren't backed up by a second witness, which is using somebody else to corroborate the evidence. So rather than us saying, I believe that I have right to travel and, and don't need this and don't need that. That's essentially babbling because the truth can only be told out of the mouths of two or more people. So then if we start saying that we're essentially babbling and then we're then deemed incompetent and then we can be psych tested. And if we start saying we're a living man and I don't have to have to do this and you can't do that, then we can be psych tested. The way to do that in commerce is to use the other. So you would go, okay, so let me get this straight. You're telling me, that I can't travel, right? That's what you're telling me. I have to have a license of some kind of travel. Can you show me exactly where I'm bound by law to do that? So you actually get the other to corroborate the evidence and you don't let them get away from it. They start going, well, the code says this. No, 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 that's not what I asked. I asked you to show me exactly where, that's what you're saying, right? You're telling me I am bound by the law to, to hold a license to travel. That's what you're telling me, isn't it? It's almost like sales. You've got to pin them down to a yes. You have to make them say yes. That's what sales is about. So then that is the element that people are missing. They, they're going in and just making claims left, right and center and feeling that that's within their right to do. But that's not how commerce works. It has to be corroborated by others. It's not you making the claim. You set the other up to make the claim. That's the difference. It's a communication difference. In our world, in the private, we go, yep, I can do this on a surfboard and I can play guitar and I can do this and I can whatever. That's all fine. But in the public, in commerce, that's absolutely not what you want to do. It's the complete opposite. And so also when uh, if somebody goes in to represent themselves, that's they're not them. If you represent yourself, it's like reheating something. It was already hot. Don't reheat something. You know, you just, you present yourself, for example. There's lots of little technique, little subtleties in there that, I don't know the mat how it went down, but so far from what I've heard, that's kind of a few little things that could be, uh, you know, done maybe better. But at the same time, if you do go and challenge the system like that, you've got to be prepared to get it right. 
because a lot of people start finding out, yeah, well, the government's a sham and I've got rights and uh, this is a slave system and I want out and I'm just going to say that I'm out. But that's not how you exit the slave system. It's becoming somebody who's not a slave. It's not saying you're not a slave. And it, it actually takes, like Bear's been in this for how long? Like 40 years or something, Bear? You've been doing, you've been in knowing about how to do certain processes and it takes a long time. Like I'm, I don't think I'll ever get right out of it. You know, I still have a license and registration, even though I've gone years without both and dealt with police and courts as a result. And I never went to, got locked up. So I did something right. But at the, at the end of the day, it gets annoying. And it, it's not something that I want to do. I'd rather have a license and registration so that I can just go around, go to the beach, go shop, and I don't have to get harassed. Because at the end of the day, this system that we have is simply a replication of the natural world. I've started to describe it as the jungle in the city. So we are born into the jungle, but then man built the city and then moved people over to the city. But in the jungle, if you, it's not just a free ride. Like if you're a monkey and you got 50 bananas on you, but you're not in your pack and some other massive monkey comes along or some cheater that somehow decides he wants, uh, you know, bananas, he's going to take him. You know, there's rules of the jungle. It's not just a free ride with everybody's, you know, sunshine and lollipops and has rights and nobody hurts you. The jungle has rules. Nature has rules. So if it wasn't for the system and police and courts, there would be organized crime gangs and pirates. And if you don't give them your lunch money, they'll cut you up with their knife. Or if you don't pay the mafia protection money, you're probably going to get beaten up every day until you pay protection money. It's not actually a fair system, regardless of whether it's pure everyone for themselves in nature or the system that we live in, because it's my belief that they replicate each other. And both are a representation of where humanity's consciousness is at. What frequency are we generally operating at? And the general frequency at the moment on the whole is still relatively low. There's not many ascended masters, so to speak, in our current realm, uh, relative to those that are carrying the lower vibration. So when people say, I'm just going to be totally sovereign and I'm out of the system or forget that, you know, I didn't choose this. Well, on some level we did because we know how consent works and there's an element of consent needed to have even been born into this lifetime in the first place. So on some level, the higher self knew what the system is currently governing this realm. We knew that. So we chose it. So then we can't really just go, well, I've had enough of that. I'm out. You can say that, but you've got to work at it. It takes diligence to remove it. And there's also, without some of the benefits and privileges associated with this system, that's also not the easiest life to be completely without it. So that's something that I like to bring up to people because when people first start hearing about this, they just go, well, I'm just going to not have a license now and I'm just going to go here and not bother about that. I'm never going to pay tax. I'm never going to pay a fine. Technically, that's all true. It's still all offers but you have to learn how to navigate yourself first and foremost, and then you can go navigating the system, how you choose once you've re reached a relative level of mastery, which I have not reached yet. And that's why I know who I am. I know my place. I'm not a silverback gorilla and I'm not a lion in the jungle. I'm one of the herd of monkeys still. And I know that. So I don't go outside of what I am and what I can do without repercussions. But that's a very powerful place to be because I believe that you're actually over the hump when you realize you don't know anything. You're still, you know, in school 
And, uh, you know, you, you still have to play the game because that's why, you know, your choice for being here in the first place and, uh, really taking responsibility requires understanding that universal intelligence does not ever err, uh, nor does it do anything frivolous, especially using energy frivolously. So, um, the amount of, um, preparation and things that go on on the soul level in order to prepare for another embodiment into this matrix is tremendous. So I'm told, and, uh, you know, that shouldn't be, uh, taken lightly. So if we find ourselves in a uh, circumstance where we're born in a communist country, or we're, you know, born into a family that's less than optimal, uh, you know, those are the exact circumstances that we chose to afford us the opportunities that we needed to have the most rapid soul expansion possible, you know, within this experience. And, you know, in my travels, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, I have been at it for a long time. I don't do as much of the paperwork game anymore, but I went down every single rabbit hole there was. And the inescapable conclusion I came to is that, well, it's endless. There's always going to be somebody coming up with a new, technique or a new discovery. And there's a lot of legitimacy to that. And I still keep an ear to the ground because I like hearing about those things. But ultimately, all of it's worthless, just in my opinion, unless you own it and, you know, you realize this is an inner game. And going back to that situation when you are confronted, when you're in front of a constable or in front of a magistrate, um, you know, the first thing you have to learn is not to leak your energy or give your power away. And that is to answer questions. And of course, um, sovereigns never answer questions. They only ask them. So I, I you know, have the same observation as you. I, I hear about all these stories and seen them firsthand where people go into court, they'll start arguing, they'll make all these claims and everything. It's like, why are you even talking? Would a sovereign go in and state a claim, uh, you know, or, or do any such thing or answer questions to another person? Of course not. You know, that would be ludicrous and it would actually be demeaning to a person that actually considers himself a sovereign. So it's really goes back to that, you know, connection to spirit and realizing that we are very powerful spiritual beings. We're individualizations of the source. And uh, who the heck here has the ability to tell me what to do? There's also a lot of, uh, you know, a few little procedural uh, things I think that can be valuable in that situation. Uh, uh, for instance, in the States here, I'm not sure what it's like in Australia, but, you know, when we're given that, that name off of our birth certificate that's created off the certificate of live birth, well, technically, we're supposed to register that name so that if we ever are representing that name, uh, you know, then there's a clear demarcation uh, formally established between ourself as, you know, ascension being and that corpse. And so you, when you do that properly and you have that uh, accomplished, you don't have to go into anybody's arena and say, I'm a man or, or any such thing, which is actually kind of foolish when you think about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just all, all great things that you're, that you're uh, talking about. So um, I guess uh, I will say one, people, <coughs> one thing, ahead, I'll just say one thing too, though. There's something 
quite uh, valid to somebody who puts their neck out on the line, right, for others. And I think as a community, um, it's up to us to kind of give them give them some help here. So um, I think the more that we can educate people who have the balls to go out and do this, the better. Uh, because, for instance, David has been doing it, right? So uh, I, I think it would be amazing to connect with him and give him some more of this information and and allow him to uh, enlighten himself on this. Because there's one thing that we took away from the event this last weekend, and it was very powerful. It's time for men to stand up. It's time for men to stand up and protect the children, to protect the women, and and he's doing it. So um, I know it's um, you know. Yeah. So there's a there's a two sided thing to this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's no good learning it. And then never, you know, it's like, Oh, well, I know all this, but I never like, I, I have more respect for people that do what he did than the people who just kind of head full of knowledge, but never, Oh no, well, you can't do anything in any way. So I just won't try in the first place. Like oh, there's, it's all a hopeless, helpless game and you can never win. Like I've got friends like that. I keep suggesting, you know, well, do you want to learn a bit? And they just go, no, no, I learned about that a while ago. No, nah, you'll never beat the police or the court or the, this or the, or the other. So what's the point of trying? And, and that's not, I feel, any, of any help. I mean, this guy got the beaches reopened. Like, he should there should be a statue of this guy on Santa Monica Beach or whatever. You know, this, this is the guy that got the beach reopened. Like, what a legend. It's just that it can, yeah. with that, he's the type that, you, as you said, that sh we should be offering the education to so that somebody who has the ability to stand up also has the ability to, when needed, just hold that resonance and then it won't go against them. Because it's it is like a double-edged sword. You have the sword of truth. You can wield that, and you can you could have great power in that. But it's um, it can also cut you when it's not tempered. When you don't get the some of the subtleties of what that power can um, can also do back to you. And I think that's what he's experienced. And yeah, so I guess we were just talking about the things that could have been done better. But obviously, yeah. well, the grand picture is the guys doing an amazing thing. Yeah, and that's why we're doing this, you know, out of a way to provide support, of course. And there was another guy we had at the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Paul Enslaved, Tom. He had a video go viral about, um, for the same thing, traveling without papers. And he was able to turn the um, the uh, officer around, Ashley, the officer, and say, hey, can we get some coffee sometime? I'd love to talk to you about this more. And uh, in, in what we realized with, with Paul more than, he knows his stuff, but it's the, it's the countenance. It's the way he delivers. It's how confident he is. And it's like, and what he'll talk about is obviously knowing the words, but it's the spirit behind the words that is so, so important. And you speak to this a lot too. And I think that's something that, as you say, and what this titled is that for, uh, you know, the solution is inside of you is you're right doing the work. It's good to know the the theory and, and, and uh, uh, the, the science behind the word game and the wizardry, but in the end, if you don't have the power and the force behind knowing that you are the true powerful spirit, I think they're going to get you. But if you come in and you even make some mistakes, because Paul makes some mistakes, you'll, be, you'll agree. He's just human. He's just a living man that messes up. But he stands true in, in his power, in his truth. And, and, um, and, and I know David does as well. And, and it is interesting how in the end that seems to be more important than even, I mean, obviously the technique's extremely important, but having that understanding and doing that work uh, is so important. Wouldn't you, I mean, I know you, you say that a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's more of, to me, it's more about personal development than rights. I keep saying it's, it's development of the self first and rights a distant second. It's just an extension of who you are in the first place. And, 
Anybody can say, I don't consent, for example, but for some people it carries no weight and somebody else that says, I don't consent has a resonance that just floors the entire audience. It's because of what's coming from the being itself. The resonance is carried in the words and that resonance says, I know who I am. Not the words, the words don't say that. The words might be gobbledygook, but it'll still say, I know who I am. And that's because of where it's coming from. And that's just developed over time. You know, it's just something that, uh, well, it doesn't even have to take a lot of time. It's just how quickly can you, can you kind of combine with spirit as opposed to like join to a name, for example. So that's, I think that's really where it comes from. And I make mistakes too. I keep telling people when I've successfully sued one of the local government departments, the first notice that I sent them because I'm kind of lazy and I copy and paste all of my notices I copied and pasted one and I forgot to change something. So I called him a different company name. I put a different amount. It was totally irrelevant, <laughs> but it's still because the intention was clear. I still got, I didn't have to rewrite the notices. I went into the second notice and said, my apologies, uh, apologizing recently a commercial default for the name. Uh, this is what it was meant to be. And I didn't have to redo it. It was still only the three notices and I got my uh, remedy through them. Despite getting the first notice like that looked like a, totally amateur who is this guy but it still had a resonance in it because the intention was still extremely clear and that resonance is what gets the universe at your back and uh, gives you that measure of grace it can get you out of a jam even if you aren't doing things absolutely correct and everything that i talk about as far as where you know my thoughts these days is all based on past mistakes and I've been under the gun many times with different agencies and, and different little skirmishes that I got, uh, you know, involved with in the past. And I look back and it's almost embarrassing with some of them. It's like, oh, my God, what was I thinking about? But those are the, the situations that I learned most from. So it's not at all demeaning anybody that's in the jam because that's how you get there. And it all is about attitude and um David, is that his name, Michael? He, um, you know, my hat's off to him for, you know, actually sticking his neck out. And, uh, you know, if more people did that, even if we weren't doing things procedurally correct, it would uh, carry a lot of weight and change things tremendously. Yeah. yeah. And if the community can support him, then obviously that'd be great because it's like Owen Benjamin says, he says, if you don't have a voice, support those that are speaking for you at the moment. And he's obviously doing a great deal for people. He's he's standing up and being the voice for a lot of people who don't have their own voice at the moment. So for sure, any support that could go his way or would be, you know, going along the world, the, the realms of the natural, <laughs> the natural law and natural cycles. Yeah, exactly. And we do have that up on our telegram right now. And uh, Paula, who's an active force in our group uh, has a campaign going right now. So um, we have posted that and she's listed all the um, Superior Court judges, uh, the district attorney, and we're going to put them all on blast. Uh, the Santa Cruz City attorney uh, and the new judge that's now on the case. So our community's at it and that's being uh, it's going across Telegram like wildfire right now. So um, once it, this is also plays into the other aspect, Tom and Bear, of personal liability there notices of liability, right? That these are, these are men and women at these positions that are, that are doing this outside the purview of lawfulness. They're working within a legal statute, right? They're working within the corporate sphere. And so they've 
basically taken this living man and put him into a into a box against his will. And that shouldn't be allowed in a civil society. So we should be able to go to them directly. And this is what Paul and Slade was so beautifully talking about over the weekend. And one thing he was talking about, too, is releasing the ego. When you are talking, these people don't come from a place of ego, come from a place of mutual understanding as living men and women. So it is forceful, but also you're not coming from ego. There's like a fine balance. And he's really good at that. Um, Tom, you've had some issues in the past you've talked about on this show um, with being pulled over. Um, how has it been going recently with you? Have you had any, um, I know Bear kind of touched on this, but have you had any more instances or any stories of people who have um, been able to get around flying without masks or um, working without yeah. jabs, stuff like that? Yep, for sure. Yeah, plenty of that. So plenty of people are flying without masks and uh, there's a lot There's a lot of uh, success. There's the harder ones are where people need to be PCR tested and quarantined. But there are people that have had success there as well, but they're very like literally less than a handful of people. So it's really, it does come down to really knowing your stuff with the, with the uh, more involved elements of this game. But again, as you just said, it is coming at people, not it. I teach people to be very, very firm and I teach myself to be, you know, it's like, I'm not perfect either. So it's, it's about being very, very firm without getting into ego and defensiveness, as you said. So in commerce, there's a couple of things that have no place. One is defensiveness and explaining, trying to explain away things. We never want to explain it has no place. It's simply in law, it's only facts and it's only evidence and what's on the record. For example, there's no explaining or defensiveness. So when we're dealing with people and we need to be very firm to stand our ground, we do exactly that, but we've just got to make sure we don't get onto that side of being defensive and therefore starting to be belligerent or, uh, we don't want to get the energy up. We can be very lasered, but the energy is just real calm still. We just we don't want the energy coming up because when that happens, the energy and the other has to come up as a result to defend. So that's a really fine line. And so the people who are having great success with going everywhere without masks on planes through airports is just that they're carrying that. They're not defending. They're not like, oh, I'm allowed to do this and you can't tell me. They're going into this. They're either closing off or they're puffing their chest up, walking around like, you know, they're trying to force it onto people, which isn't necessary. And those that do that are having some of the issues. But those that are just coming from their center and it's just, there's nothing to explain and there's nothing to defend, well, then they get right of passage. So it is, as you just said, and, you know, it's, it is more about the energy of what's going into the interactional situation more so than the words used or the notices provided beforehand. Yeah. And in uh, law, it's, I think we refer to that as staying in honor. And I, I look at that saying more is not in honor of the, the court system or whatever you're confronted with, but just honor within yourself and your creator that's giving you this energy that you can qualify to be useful or otherwise. Another thing I think that we don't consider a lot is that the other side, if you want to think of it that way, also has to stay in honor and they have a code and it, uh, you know, maybe not the local magistrate, but, you know, on higher levels, they understand that they can't cross certain lines either because if they do, they destroy their own, uh, you know, get out of karma jail kind of, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, card there. And um, 
So they need our consent. They need us to go into all these things we're talking about that you don't want to do. And uh, so if you stay in honor within yourself, and then at the same time, uh, you know, know enough procedure, I think, where it forces them into a corner where they have to go outside of their own rule box. And, you know, it creates quite a liability for them. It does. Yeah, because any, like you rightly said, they are because they're not the creator, they have to abide by the natural law themselves. And so when they, that's why, you know, as Mike said, there has to be an opt, an opt in or an opt out. There has to be consent at every level. And sometimes it might seem like it's not, but that's still the offer as well. And personally, I find that to be a real gift and a blessing because if it was too easy, if they said, hey, uh, Tom, you can wear a mask, but you don't really have to. Like if you don't, just feel free not to wear one. And this jab that we're talking about, it's, it's just nothing, you know, do you, do you not want it? You know, they don't have to say like that. They, have, they can put it any way they like. Anybody's within their right to ask you or ask to do anything. That is their right to do. And then they also have the right to make it seem like the answer that you give is not the right answer, but it's still just the offer. So the deeper the levels go, to me, it allows myself to find those deeper levels within because it allows me to discern on a deep level and then deep level and then a deeper. And you can only get to there as you start to burn through any of the dead wood that's in yourself. Like what is, what am I reacting to? At what level am I falling for this offer or trap? And then, so that's why I actually welcome the way that this is structured and the way that they are playing it out. Because first of all, on some levels, it's hilarious because, and that's fun. That's a gift for me. Cause I like to laugh. I like comedy. And then, the deeper it goes, the more I can know where I'm at. And I think that's a great thing because I always liken this game to martial arts. There's no point thinking that you can just do some whizzing spinning kick and kick people's heads off their shoulders like Chuck Norris or Bruce Lee. But in the real world, you can't fight your way out of a wet paper bag. You know, it's not, it, you're better to know where you are. So I would like to know if I'm in the jungle again, to use that example, you know, what can I do? Can I fly? I don't want to think I can fly around the canopies of the treetops if I can't fly. That's silly. If I think a cheat is going to come along and, hey, I'll just fly off, and then it turns out I can't, well, I would rather have known what my abilities were in the first place rather than get it wrong or try to jump out of a tree thinking I can fly and then splatting on the ground. So I like to know where I sit within nature. You know, where, what is my ability? Who am I really? What development am I yet to undergo so that I can lighten my own beingness and therefore you know raise my frequency but i find it all and offered to me to be able to get deeper into myself and to to grow so it's all growth you know even going into a jail cell for two weeks you know that's growth at what point can you find the gift and the value in that because there always is anytime we're given either dis-ease or uh you know something that's inconvenient for example there's a there's a lesson in there it's a teacher the teacher has come to teach us if we're willing to sit and learn the lesson, well, then that's a great gift. And we can actually rise, we, we raise as a result. If we don't receive the gift, we'll continue to have a similar experience until that, that uh, lesson is learned. So if I ever feel, oh no, uh, if I start getting that feeling, oh no, oh no, what happens? What happens if the military come? No, what happens if the financial system collapses? What happens if the food supply collapses? I love that because I go, great. What does that mean for me? How do I become more self-sufficient? How do I get to uh, relate better with nature around me? 
And how can it support me? What about my brothers and sisters in community around me? You know, all of that is there to fall deeper into if we allow it. And that's why, for me personally, it's why I don't feel fear around the world that we're experiencing because it is more or less just that teacher and it's a gift and it's something that I can deepen into myself and therefore raise my own frequency, which is, as Bear said, what we're really having these experiences for in the first place. So I like it myself. You, you know where I felt the most fear recently was in the deep suburbs of America where it's like every, I was just talking to Bear about this yesterday, coming back from the festival, I was in like some new suburb strip mall hell with everything is like fast food and everybody's just in zombie discarnated from their body mode, just going to get, get, you know, coming out of their car, putting their mask on, going into Taco Bell, getting their little dinners to go back and put on their shows for the night so they can wake up and go to work the next morning. And I had fear. I was like, get me back to the wild jungles of Africa or I'll take anything over this, right? So yeah, seek discomfort, seek your journey, seek your adventure, because that's where the growth comes. That's why we're here. And that's been the trick. That's the brave new world tra trap, right? The opt-in trap of the suburbs, which is what like scarily in, in the States is like probably what 75% of people live in now. And those are the people masked, vaxxed and stacked. Anyways, that's my rant. But yeah, I, I, I agree, uh, Tom, seek, uh, seek it out, right? Uh, we hear about, oh, now the big thing is the cyber attack is going to happen this month. That was the, the thing I was hearing. That was the, the scare news of the week. I guess they're going through their um, annual um, exercises uh, for what would happen if the, the grid goes down, the cyber attack. And of course, we know a lot of times that's while they're doing those exercises, they actually roll out the PSYOP. So there was a number of these like, quote unquote, truther channels talking about, hey, this might be it. This might be it. And then, of course, that fear becomes palpable if you if you go into that. But for me, I'm thinking excitement. Finally, now maybe a portal or the crypto we work is going to have a nice little boost because people are going to realize that it's stronger because it's more encrypted and decentralized. Oh, um, the silver I've been stacking forever is going to have value. Um, you know, and I see all this potential and positivity out of it. So I love that mindset. And Bear and I are always all about that. It's like, gosh, I wish there'd be some kind of event like that instead of the, the center of the suburbs, the suburbs where everybody that's the American dream. I just want to get out of the city and make it to the suburbs and have my pool and my four bedroom house and the cable television and my and um, that's the reality that they're go cooking for. And uh, it's really interesting to see, I think, one of the greatest benefits right now from the pandemic is people going uh, I don't want that. I want to go move and get some land and start a homestead and have chickens and, 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 uh, be a little more self-sufficient. So, um, yeah, bravo to all you guys in the AV community that are doing that. And because there's a lot of them and, uh, Tom, I don't know in Australia, do you guys have a lot of those like suburbs outgrowths out of the city where everyone moves to, and it's just strip mall after strip mall and, and, and American fast food chain after each, you know, stacked in a row. Not quite the same as the States, but around the cities that there is, yeah, there are places like that for sure. I was actually had to go to the uh, equivalent of the DMV yesterday to register my car and it's not a nice place to be. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of there. Just mask people everywhere and just following, you know, it's just that the, the level of energy, you actually feel it. It feels cold. Like the room, the, the center feels cold. It feels lifeless. It feels uh, sterile. No, you know, but the thing is, and here's the, the element to that is there's no dark without light, you know, there's no yin without yang. And 
And it, if you could catch people's eyes, what I'm finding is it's, it's in the eyes. If you can catch people's eyes that are otherwise switched off, they can light up. And there's something in them that changes. And I find that really heartwarming because I, I'm sitting in a room where I feel zero energy. I feel my energy dropping because of the, the environment that I'm in. And then I decide, no, well, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to fall to that. So I switch on inside and I bring myself back to where I want to resonate at. And then you can kind of feel people around slightly change, but not enough. But it's when you catch the eyes and they can see I'm not wearing a mask. And then when you give them warmth and compassion and love and acceptance, despite them wearing a mask in the eyes, you see their eyes change. And they don't look at you like you're a threat to them. It's like something is communicated. I'm not wearing a mask, but I'm absolutely no threat to you. And actually, I would like to assist you. And something in them, they can feel it. I actually helped an old lady up out of her. Uh, she couldn't get up out of her seat. And I walked over to her and said, would you like some help? She said, yeah, I would. And I helped her up. And she just lit up. And it was just there was something about then one of the, the ladies behind the counter. She was just It just changed, you know? So even an environment like that, has the potentiality to actually change and raise as well. It doesn't have to be this vapid void of yeah. energy. See it, see it as an opportunity, right? See it as an yeah. opportunity like, oh, I got to go to the DMV next Monday. Oh, awesome. I can go light some, some souls up. I can go in there and brighten up that room instead of like, oh, God, I got to go to the DMV. God, I'm, I'm dread, still in dreading. the, oh God, I've got to go. I'm not in the, yes, I'm going to go. And I, it's just more <laughs> in the moment. I caught myself. I caught myself falling to that. So I, uh, I don't know anybody that's odd. I'm saying, let's start trying to practice that. Like Yeshua going into the money changers of the temple. Right. And like, yeah, yeah. he's a great example because he knew he was going into the Viper pit. He knew that that was going to cop that was going to lead to him, to the uh, Sadducees or the Pharisees understanding, Oh, we got to crucify this guy. But he, that's like a great example. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do it because that's what needs to be done. And uh, life's too short not to. So uh, bravo. I, I love that. I'm going to start trying to practice that more, Tom. Yeah, it's just in the eyes. I find it's the most simple thing. Even if I'm walking around the street, uh, you occasionally see people with masks. And what I find there's a tendency within the community to do is to look at somebody like they're wearing a mask as, oh, you're wrecking it for everybody. Wake up, you sheep, do it, you know, like looking down on them and therefore casting judgment and therefore separating, you know, us against them, separated, divided community. But if you can include them just with your eyes alone, look at them like, hey, I can still see you. I just see you as the same as before with no judgment. They feel a level of acceptance and therefore less uh, divisiveness between them and us as well. And some of them then will take their masks off just from that alone. And uh, so I just find it realistically, while it's tempting to be like, dude, what are you doing? Get that mask off, you idiot. You know, have that kind of feeling going on inside. It's not, while that might be fun and funny, it's not the, it's not going to help. It's actually only going to make it worse. So it's like a converse thing. It's like a, a flip where we've just got to go. Actually, the only way we're, we're going to make it through this is to be inclusive and to bring everybody back in no matter what they think or what they wear or what they stick in their arm that that to me is the only way to uh to you know get get through this this divisiveness yeah and, and the eye mechanism you know is very powerful it's uh you know the optic thalamus is um uh, you know, connected between the pineal and the pituitary gland. And as the light comes in, and, and if you know how to project it, the eyes is, is the most powerful 
you know, way to do that. And, you know, when you mention that you can see the light behind people's eyes, well, that's, that's a literal thing. That's not just a figure of speech and uh, just practicing, uh, you know, with your gaze, sending, uh, you know, an elevated energy to somebody is very powerful. So, uh, you know, we have all these mechanisms built into ourselves that we can use and transmute energy in any way we want and, and help people in ways without even saying a word. And, uh, you know, I think that's what uh, a lot of us are getting out of this experience. It's like, well, you know, you don't want to get in there and, and just duke it out with these folks that are keeping you in the, in the superstition of materiality, as, as we say. Uh, but, you know, just going in and harnessing those uh, inner mechanisms. And necessity really is the mother of invention. And, uh, you know, that, that's another level of mastery. You know, we have all these things. Uh, the whole kitchen sink is being thrown at us right now. But, um, you know, it's a matter of, okay, being informed, uh, learning how to deal with it, but then not obsessing about it at the same time. And then just using that as a stimulus to go into full creative mode and say, okay, how do we counter this? And that's a beautiful thing I see about what's going on now, you know, like, uh, the three of us wouldn't be together today if there weren't all these so-called evil forces out there because we're, you know, we're getting together with the reason of coming up with solutions and circling the wagons and, you know, creating our vision for the world. So uh, a lot of opportunities, a lot of goodness is really coming from all these world events right now. And the world events are nothing new under the sun. They're, they've been cooking for centuries and centuries the only thing that's happening now is everything's coming to the surface, just like a sick body. Uh, you know, when you start, uh, you know, healing, things come to the surface. And that's exactly where you want it. You want things exposed and out in the open so that you can just do the final purging. And that's what's going on as, as far as I can see right now. So it's all good news. Uh, we've got our work cut out for us. We can't be complacent. And that's the last thing I'll say is... Uh, you know, without all these world events and challenges, so speaking for myself, I might be a little bit more complacent and, you know, not do the inner work that I'm required to do right now. Hey, yeah, I, I have a great question here from the audience or it was a comment. I think this could be a great way to kind of go into this talk because Tom, I've, I've really been um, a fan of what you've been talking about recently with the shedding and, um, and the spike proteins and everything. And, and Bear has kind of mirrored that with this concept of resonance. And here is a new, uh, someone kind of new to our, to our channel who has just said, unfortunately, my husband took the vax and I haven't touched him since. Feeling unsettled, any advice? Well, yeah. <laughs> There's a, uh, so that element we were speaking about before about, love being the alternate residence if it's kind of their winning because it's getting us to see another now as not like uh not like us you know it's a different species almost or i can't touch you anymore i don't want to be around you that's not the resonance that will actually bring that into some kind of balance so the way i explain it and then i'll let um, i know bear will have something good to say as well so what i have come to my conclusion in this is that it's not a spike protein it's not Maybe there's a spike protein in the vaccine, but it can't shed, it can't get to you. So what's happening in my estimation is that the mRNA gene therapy is changing something within the nature of the other. 
something that's bringing it away from being recognized by us. So one of the ways we're attracted to each other is the pheromones, which is essentially the immune system. We sense that in another. So we sense who would be a good mate because they have a different spectrum, for example, of energetics, of uh, immunity, of genetics and anything else. So then we can get the broadest spectrum so that our offspring have the greatest chance of survival. That's essentially how before this world of, oh, I'm just going to choose whoever's got the most Instagram followers and the best perfume and the most money. That's how we came to here. It's on biology alone. So once you realize that, you realize that we have a great resonance with each other. So if something in us changes and it's no longer that organic natural form, something's going to happen. Something is going to be triggered in us that just goes, that's not right. Like we just recognize it as not being right anymore. And so that will cause a reaction of some kind in us. And the degree to which we will react will depend on what's going on in our own state. So if we experience detoxification symptoms, it's because something needed to clean. It's not because we're catching something from another that's transferring to us. It's an energetic dance. It's like this now looks like that. My response to that is this. And for a lot of people, that response is nothing. I know so many people who hang around vaccinated people, nothing. So for those that are having an experience, an experiential reaction, well, that's just got to do more with yourself than the other. Now, to take that a step further, uh, so that there's the good news part of it, is that if you observe nature, it always overcomes. If you see where there's been an oil spill or some kind of fallout from a blast of some kind, or somebody's tried to build into nature and you watch what nature does, within a short amount of time left to its own devices, shoots come up. And then all of a sudden vines are overtaking concrete and trees are growing out through where they're never supposed to grow. And nature will always overcome man's stupidity. Man's stupidity being this attempt to alter our DNA and our genetics. So that's man-made stupidity. And nature, it can, man can never reach the level of power and grandeur of nature itself. We can try, but it's not the same thing. So no matter what we do, nature will always overcome in some ways. So likewise, when we try to, I'm going to uh, up my sports performance and inject all these steroids and whatever, well, then what does nature do? Nature takes away your ability to produce that by yourself. It gives you negative consequences to, uh, to help to overcome. We can never outrun nature or outsmart it. So when people have become somewhat modified, well, yeah, there's going to be some kind of action reaction going on. However, I still feel that nature when left to its own devices or should I say supported through meditation, breath work, movement, organic food, clean water, uh, vibrational work, well then nature will overcome man's stupidity. And the thing between a husband and wife that will overcome that the most is inclusion and love. I don't see separating and not touching your partner as the way that will help nature overcome the stupidity of man's devices that is present in the husband. Yeah, well said. Uh, on a more rudimentary level, um, I would guesstimate that at least half of the people that get the jab are getting a placebo. So probably a 50-50 chance or better that um, you know your mate didn't even get modified. Um, and they have to do that because if everybody got the real thing, 
there would just be too much carnage all at once. And, you know, they need a good amount of the population walking around saying, hey, I got it. What's the big deal? So there's that. And then I agree with you, uh, Tom, the resonance is really the only real thing in the only uh, way I think that things can be transmitted uh, one from the other or create anything in the physical universe in the first place. So if you have somebody, a loved one, you know, in that situation, and, you know, maybe they've modified their DNA so that now they have dampened their bandwidth to perceive or to receive into those higher realms, the best, most loving thing we can do for that person is to not oppose or resist or go into some kind of, uh, you know, fear about, you know, am I going to get something? but think more about what can I give to help that person transmute and get out of the possible pickle they put themselves in, you know, by shedding off their ability to receive, you know, light from higher realms. So it's a tough one though. Uh, absolutely. I haven't seen any evidence of um, the physical shedding being the problem uh, from my own understanding. The only way they can get things in your body is to inject them. And, um, you know, that's why they're doing what they're doing. And resonance is really what makes the universe tick in the first place. Um, speaking of injection, I do have a question that came up at the event. And maybe you guys could fill me in because I'm clueless about it. West Nile virus and stuff with mosquitoes, pathogenic carriers. Is that a thing? Because there was there was a couple people at the event because there were some mosquitoes at night, and uh, and I was saying, oh, you could take this homeopathic procedure before next time, and you won't have the um, reaction of the bites. Because that's what I don't like about mosquitoes, right? I just don't like itching. I don't care if they're on me. I just don't like having a ton of bites all over me because it's annoying, right? And she was like, well, uh, but I don't care about the bites. It's getting disease that I care about you know, and I said, disease here in the California. And she said, well, yeah, West vile virus has hit Reno hard. And, um, and so, uh, we had a friend that just had it from the mosquitoes there. So curious on your take on that, Tom Barnett. Well, Bear, didn't you have, you had your, uh, experience with, uh, what was the, what the didn't you have, um, Lyme or something and you, mm -hmm. you got through that yourself? Yes. And he wasn't, and, uh, bit, wasn't even bitten by a tick, I don't think. <laughs> boy, that opens up so many uh, <laughs> rabbit holes to go. First of all, you have to believe in a virus or a contagion, which in my opinion does not exist in nature. Um, are they making things in laboratories that... Uh, you know, could fit the bill of a contagion. Sure. You know, they're, they're creating all sorts of monsters there. Um, could they introduce that into an insect population that could bite you and therefore achieve the same aim as an inoculation, uh, you know, by injecting it into you? Sure. Either way though, um, the only way to get out of it and turn it around is to go in and, you know, really get tapped into your own inner resources. And uh, the short story with what I went through, and coincidentally, uh, when I 
got these symptoms that were, that were quite, quite severe, amazing. And I was in fantastic shape and still athletic training. And, uh, but I was treating a lot of uh, my patients that were having the same exact thing. And it seemed to hit a lot of robust, healthy people. It was kind of curious to me. But then when I started getting the symptoms and then they persisted and I've never been sick in my life. And then, you know, months are going by and things are not getting better. Uh, you know, I just got the message loud and clear that I have to walk my own talk. And uh, I would literally just go sit in, uh, you know, a meditative state, I guess you could call it. And, and I have my own belief system and my own practices where I tune into source the way, you know, it works for me. And uh, when I got into that state so exclusively, I'd sit there literally for hours. Um, I started to get to the point where I'd have a remission of symptoms. And it was very dramatic because the symptoms were dramatic. But then a curious thing happened as well. Uh, when I got that little bit of relief, then of course my ego kicks in and says, whoa, I think I'm better. But then as soon as I went there, I was once again acknowledging a problem and it came back. So what I had to get to was a place of not only um, singularity, but also not even acknowledge that I felt better from anything in the first place. You know, it's just like literally wiping your consciousness. Obviously, you have a mental uh, memory and an awareness of something you're going through, but it is possible and I think necessary for each of us to develop that knack to go into that stillness on the emotional plane where we just have no reaction one way or the other. So that's what did the trick for me. And all of a sudden I just pulled out of it, started rebuilding and, and that was it. And I go, okay, I, I get it. And as a practitioner that preaches to people all day long, you know, about their physical conditions and things they need to do, including inner work, uh, that one brought me to my knees and it's, uh, you know, it, I, I wouldn't want to go through that again, but it was definitely worth the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. I love that. The only thing that I would, uh, I mean, I agree with all that too. The only thing that I would try to maybe bring to people's awareness is the, which I'm kind of hesitant to do, but it's just, it's a reality of the world is that sometimes when you see pockets of certain places, so let's say you say there's a certain place in California that has incidences of this, well then what have people done to that area? Could it be genetically engineered insects? Sure. But like a lot of the outbreaks, so to speak, of polio, it's where large amounts of chemicals were dumped or sprayed or specifically put into the population for a reason because it will instigate a kind of viral-like reaction, which is essentially only the body reacting to what's going on, not something you catch. And then, you know, that, but that sounds nefarious. That's like, well, who's doing this evil stuff? You know, who's cooking up all this stuff and doing it to, and, you know, it brings up that, which can bring up fear in people. But like Bear was saying, there is the element of once we take control back for ourselves and our, and our sense of being ourselves, then we can overcome that. And quite often because I've been through, you know, some <laughs> very, very long-term chronic conditions myself, is that a lot of the time when something gets introduced, for example, it can be an upgrade to the system. Sometimes what we consider to be a poison, an ant bite, a snake bite, or a scorpion or something, it can be an upgrade of sorts to the, the frequency of the system itself. And so uh, it's not always just a bad thing, so to speak, 
when something like that is introduced to the body because to overcome it particularly we do need to upgrade essentially what we are and then we're in a better place as a result yeah yeah and in the field of homeopathy spagyricism you know we often you know, use poisonous substances, uh, venom from different insects or, or snakes, scorpions, and, uh, you know, harness the resonance within that that can be very curative. And the other thing I was going to mention with all my story, you know, from the get go is that, okay, you have some symptoms, you think you have West Nile or, or whatever it is, but a true empiricist would go into that area and do a lot of investigation and not just jump to circumstantial conclusions that it had to come from a mosquito in the first place, because there's so many other ways that they can produce those symptoms. You know, for instance, they could dump, uh, dump formaldehyde in the water system and create Ebola symptoms and say, oh my God, we have another Ebola. We know they do that all the time. So we don't really know exactly what's creating everything, but what I have proven to myself and what many of my patients proved to me before that is that we have the ability to overcome anything with our own internal um, reset mechanisms when we learn how to use those. And I, I, and I could turn, kind of bring this full circle back to this gal who was talking about her husband with with the devil's prick was that embracing if in she was saying later he's cheating on her and stuff cheated on her and stuff too so maybe <laughs> let that let that one go but it, let's say that you uh you as someone you really love and gave into the fear or needed to, for their job and went ahead and did it brace the love brace them with love if you're if they're your lifelong partner no fear right embrace them with love uh, love conquers all and, and help them on their way. And maybe then like in the way that bear and Tom were able to go inside that, that partner can go inside and, and visualize what's the issue and, uh, transmute that, um, the effects of whatever that, if it, it was something that was genetically modifying you, we don't know, right. It could be like Neo where we can go in and we can switch that, change that back. Cause we control our matrix with our mind, with our internal matrix. When we know it's light and water, it's, it's, and that's malleable, that's stuff that can be affected by our consciousness. So I would say if, uh, that if you really love that person, uh, yeah, you need to embrace that person and support them in every way you can. But that is interesting. Self-healing. Um, there's a, we've seen a lot of miracles. And what are miracles in the end? The miracles are reality. Miracles are our consciousness manipulating reality, in my perspective. So, uh, Tom, just to switch gears a little bit, um, you know, you and I had a recent conversation. We were talking about, uh, you know, farming, growing your own food. And, you know, Mike was mentioning chickens and homesteading and everything. So, uh, are you making any uh, plans to go in that direction or are you uh, doing anything of such or, or just the general um, population where you live is, do you see uh, kind of a tendency for people to be more interested in those self-sufficiency lifestyles these days? People are more interested in general, for sure. Where there's a lot more eco communities wanting to develop. There's a lot of people just because you know, when people get their hands in the soil and they realize that being part of a life cycle of something, it's very rewarding. You know, everybody feels that. So people know it, but generally people are too busy for it. But uh, then also seeing what can happen if the supply chains fail. And around here, nobody really eats anything that comes from overseas or around the country anyway. 
it is all local, but at the same time, there's that can still be compromised. And there's only limited amount of resources, I guess, that uh, I think people are limiting their mind in that way. But at the same time, the interest then in cultivating more of the farming and the practices that actually help to work with the land is becoming much more in the general consciousness of the people here. So that's really, that's really good to see. I've always been interested in it anyway. Uh, you know, despite my work being as a health practitioner like yourself, you know, uh, the thing that I love most about what you do is that you actually engage fully in the farming side as well. And that's what's missing from me because when I worked on farms, that was actually the most enjoyable work that I've done. So obviously it's rewarding working with people to help them and assist them to create their own life to a better degree. That's rewarding. So, uh, but there's, it's still, there's, it's a different thing from working with the land, you know? So that's why, you know, I admire what you do because you've, you get to mix the best of both worlds in that respect. So that's what I'm working towards now. Still don't have enough money to buy land or anything. So it'll be, I guess, finding other people's land that we can cultivate. Uh, I'm in the process of moving out of the place that I'm in because values around here have gone up a lot. So a lot of people who have houses are just like, oh, I'm going to sell that now. <laughs> so heaps of people have been moved on from their houses which is fine because a lot of people have wanted to go and get onto land anyway. So what we're looking to do is either group buy and pitch together the $10,000 you have, maybe people have more and you know, put it into some land and then putting on very simple structures, either building them out of hempcrete or there's those geodesic domes, which are really cool. I'm actually pretty interested in building something like that or even a pyramid. I'd make it out of brass or copper spend the money on just a structure and just make a pyramid and then stack the pyramid with, uh, you know, probably just clay, hay bales and clay to like finish it off. Maybe some hemp in there, something that's not overly expensive to build. And then, uh, yeah, build a platform around the King's chamber and, and sleep there, you know, like actually live inside of a pyramid. That'd be pretty cool. It's, it's, it's so fun to think when you move outside of the box, literally the box of the room that I'm in now, move outside of the box, then go, hey, what can I create? If I'm on the land and I can create whatever I want, I mean, obviously money's a resources are a thing, but to just, you don't have to be in a box anymore. It's like, well, what would that look like? Would I want to be in a pyramid? Would I want to be in a geodesic dome? Would I want to be in a what? You know, you can make that up. So that's really exciting at the moment to, 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 to do that. And then also to be engaged more with the land itself and to, you know, work with the plants and the animals and the sun and the moon and the rain and everything else. I think that's going to be really a nice step for the next part of my life anyway. Yeah, it's really where the rubber meets the road and it takes all the academics out of it. You know, I did a lot of uh, training, I guess, in permaculture and all these sorts of things. But when it comes out to just day-to-day -day farm work, you're pretty much winging it all the time and you just learn directly from experience. And then you learn that every piece of land is different. Every plant is different. And, and the only way to learn really is to, is to do it. You know, we do have a fair amount of steady visitors here. And a lot of folks um, just say, well, you know, uh, they're under the impression that we moved here and, and, you know, do this kind of lifestyle because we, you know, don't want to starve when the world ends or something. <laughs> We're like, no, that had nothing to do with the reason why we adapted this lifestyle is because it's fun. It's very fulfilling and we learn a lot. And uh, 
I mean, those are the only reasons why we do what we do. Yeah. And that's a really good point actually, because so many people have wanted to move. They're like, well, okay, we've got to buy, we've got to find a property. It's like, I don't want to be part of that because I don't want to be part of something that's activated through fear. I want to go and be part of something that's not, we want to do this because it's joyful and we want to create something amazing. Not because we're trying to hide from Bill Gates. You know, that's not the kind of the energy that I want to be putting into something. And also what you said was really cool because when I first got really interested in farming and wanted to run a farm, I went and worked on farms and I went to some of the better organic farms that I could find. And I just went straight up to the head farmer. Like, hey, teach me all about it. And he said, well, you know, hold your horses. He said, you can learn a little bit, but to be honest, you just got to get on your own bit of land and you got to learn your land. You got to learn how it works with the seasons, the rainfall, the soil that you have. It's all about that. You've just got to put in the seasons. He actually said, you got to put in the seasons on your own land and that's how you learn farming. It's not from a book or from me or, you know, sure. Get some, get some experience in some of the nuts and bolts, but the training comes from the land itself. Yeah. And you also imprint yourself on the land and that imprinting creates that two-way resonance. So now you have a real communication and that you don't feel separate from the land at all. And that's where the, that's where the magic really starts to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. People say that, that where they've been for a, a certain amount of time, they'll say the land will remember you. If you spend a certain amount of time in a place, you got away and you come back, the land will remember because there is an imprint there. I love that. And yeah. the, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. we're told that, yeah, I was Go just going to say, and the spirits there, the little, the, you know, we, we were recently talking about this, God, who was that with? We were talking about how the, um, I think it was in our telegram group of missing people and stuff on land, but we're talking about the spirits on the land and how the little there's, you know, the fairies, the fairy folk, and we have Sasquatch here. And if you imprint yourself on the land in a positive way, where you're helping the land, growing food, being a conscious, working with it. We've had many stories of people who have had protection from those spirits, from, from certain elements and actually having elders come in and do ceremonies where Sasquatch came in. And I know this sounds woo woo to some folks, but our local honey keeper swears she did this with a, with a native American elder because she was, her bees were getting ravaged by bear and they did the uh, ceremony and then the Sasquatch came in and now protect the perimeter uh, because she honors the land and she's there doing permaculture practices and not using chemicals and the land knows it has a memory and it knows and I, I couldn't agree more sorry bear to step in there but I thought that's fascinating stuff no that's great <laughs> any Sasquatch in your neighborhood there Tom well actually funnily enough the natives here speak of similar things so we have mm -hmm. there's certain uh, there's they're colloquially called black boys, which is not a nice term for them because that's like a but anyway there's these they they've got a black trunk and they look like they're burnt and then they've got like this green they look like uh, islanders' hair you know like they're really amazing looking plants and apparently if they're they're growing naturally in certain parts of the land it's a really good sign for the land and then one of the elders told me one time that that's where the water spirits the fairies come through, they come through those. And uh, there's a lot of similar stories. Like for some people that aren't familiar with it, it will sound really out there, but uh, all indigenous cultures talk about the way that the spirits uh, work with the land and can protect or can push away if they're not happy. And it's about how we uh, interact with the land and the spirits themselves. And it's just, it, it, 
to put it to a, a more mainstream mind, it's simply, are you in resonance with yourself and the place around you? Whether you're relating to spirits and fairies and Sasquatches and, and water babies and all that isn't really the point. That's just another way to explain that you are in resonance with the land. And we all know that. We all know what it's like to feel that we're not welcome in a place. Either people there are just like brooding and they don't want you there or the land actually just doesn't, things don't work. Plants don't grow. No matter what you do, it doesn't work. You build a, a thing and it gets knocked over by nature. It's just, you're not really welcome there. But we also know the feeling of being welcomed in a place and it just feels right and things just work. And I think that's the element that a mainstream mind could grasp. The other, going further into that is looking to breaking that down into the individual elements and what does it look like? And, and that's how you can explain, you know, what Mike was talking about, which I love, by the way, I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we spent a long time looking for the present parcel that we live on here. You know, we had a, a, a farm before, and uh, we've been on this one for about five years, but we needed a little bit more elbow room from our last place. So we searched for about seven years to find this place. And yeah, found some places that seemed okay on paper and everything. But the moment we just stepped foot on this particular property, it was just instant. It was just uh, palpable. You know, no, this is where you're supposed to be. And, uh, and since we've been here, everything just works out perfect. And, you know, as far as communication, uh, you know, just looking at trees, you know, I have a little favorite spot down in the river where I float in my inner tube for as long as I can. And, uh, you know, the, the shoreline has a lot of trees and you have little breezes coming through and, and just the, the communication and the, the resonance between the trees that are all moving in unison. And then when you, you know, tune into that, there's um, just this undeniable uh you know, interconnection that's happening. So all these life forms, uh, you know, are all there welcoming us all the time. And I think really ecstatic when a human actually tunes in and pays attention. Yeah. And then, so Mike, you know, the festival that you just had, which sounded awesome, by the way, but that's one of the best feelings, right? Being surrounded by like-minded people in a great place and lifting the, you know, lifting everyone's spirits. Did you feel that with what you held there, that the land welcomed the festival that you had? I'm so happy you asked that because um, there were some profound moments that happened by Sunday. So the festival was basically people arrived Thursday and left Monday. Fourth of July, of course, was on Sunday, which is our Independence Day. And we had a massive celebration. Lena Poo, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She, she uh, worked with Cal Washington. Uh, and um, is very active in uh, work with notices of liability and affidavit paperwork, did this amazing, um, she and Josh Del Sol did this amazing uh, uh, workshop where we did a in mass notice of liability to uh, uh, for, the, for the, the masking and the vaccine and all this stuff. And long story short, we, we converted this after everyone signed into a huge circle, hundreds of people with American flags, and we, we, we did a decree together uh, and we, we, we did that by, we, we grounded ourselves in the land because that's where everything needs to be grounded. Right. So it was powerful. I actually was crying and they were like, Hey, Mike, get up here and talk. I couldn't even talk. I said, nah, I'm out. It was too emotional. So after that, you know, 
festivities then dance bands and music and amazing uh, good times kids running around everywhere dogs just running around everywhere it was a, it turned into a village by that time total trust it was like how humanity is supposed to be kind of thing so at the end of the, at the end of the the night everyone's around this big fire and there was a lot of like five what we were calling like 5d consciousness where um uh, people were finishing each other's sentences and there was just like synchronicities with going on everywhere but it was based on people's lives like back in time and for some reason they were just kept in this concurrence of the Essenes um and uh, I don't know why but the Essenes kept coming up and then um uh it was interesting we were talking about Madonna the Madonna and we had a drone going over the land and and we had a feeling that something was coming out of the fire from the land itself and it, there was some sort of connection with the Essenes with the land and the drone image going over when we looked was a picture of the Madonna of the actual land was the Madonna. And there was all these synchronicities going on where we realized the land called us there to do this work. And then the owner was telling us about all this history there and everything. And this was an old mill that went back in the 1800s and it was known as a lawless town, a lawless company town for decades and decades that would not, you know, uh, adhere to the restrictions put forth by the county magistrates and et cetera. So it all made sense. So yes, the land actually called us there to do the work. And I'm getting chills right now from, from talking about this. And I still am like figuring it all out. I'm, I, I just got home yesterday. So um, we're, I'm still kind of buzzing off it, but yes, thanks for asking that Tom, because that was a major aspect of what we were doing there was we were grounding ourselves in the land because that's where men and women find our power, right? With, with Mother Earth, with Gaia. Yeah, absolutely. And we do yeah. work with, uh, there's one particular Indigenous guy here that he, that's his thing. He says, it doesn't matter about all this beating your chest and trying to oppose whatever, unless you're grounded and working. Because when the Earth can have its own, the Earth has its own power and resonance, which comes through us. And if we don't ground ourselves, it's all for nothing. That's what he says. He says, it's all for nothing if you're not grounded and connected. So that's first and foremost, working with the mother. And then that's where things will change. So, and that sounds exactly like what you would do it over there, which is, that's so cool. Yeah. Can, uh, we got to work on you getting your butt over here for the next one. Cause, uh, yeah, you, I love that. uh <laughs> or, uh, Vanessa here in the chat say, Hey, Tom, can we organize one in Australia? Um, yeah. Hey, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I'd go, I'm not an organizer, but yeah, we could, uh, I'd, I'd go. If there was one on. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing, man. So we'll figure it out. Hey, Tom. So to close it out there, I think we're coming up on time and we've got a couple requests here. Would you play a tune for us on your guitar behind you? Me? No. Yeah. <laughs> we've had a yeah, couple. I can't sing or anything. So, uh, you know what I would play actually is my hand pan, but it's not, not around. Have you seen that? That's a um, tongue drum. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's so good. It's just got the nicest, uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing and you can't play it wrong either. I love those things. Yeah, but it's not around. Otherwise, I'll be... You don't uh, have a didgeridoo handy? No, no, no. That's something I'd love to play as well, but I want to I do it the right way. I want it to be given to me by an Indigenous and uh, taught and whatever. I don't want to just pick up a, a didgeridoo from a gift shop and blow into it sort of. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting a... how they... Yeah, it's interesting how the didgeridoo is very similar to the Tibetan horns that they use. 
has that same kind of tonal quality. Yeah, and very powerful. But hey, Tom, you've been extremely generous with your time here. So um, is there any last things you'd like to talk about or bring up or just uh, tell the folks as far as uh, involvements that you'd like them to know about? Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Well, as far as things that I'm doing, I've been doing a few workshops around this area on the communication aspect. So a lot of people have been finding it very beneficial because they've done Mark stuff. Like we've had Mark on with us chatting from Solutions Empowerment and there's Cal stuff and there's uh, different Canadian outfits that do work in this you know, natural law realm. And one of the ways that I've been figuring things or I had to close some gaps myself was in this communication aspect and breaking down what's really going on. And people have been finding it really helpful. So we've recorded all of that. And I need to edit it so that I take out names and places and anything that might be uh, tie events to people just to protect them. But once that's done, I'm going to put them on my website as a package so people can go, can um, access those. So that's tombarnett.tv is the website, which wasn't up last time I spoke to you all. And uh, yeah, so that's where people can go to get all the content that I've done already. It's all everything that was banned or deleted is still backed up on the on the website. So that's tombarnett.tv. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it as far as what I'm doing. But as, as far as what I've found has been helping the most around here, it has been community. So it's been making sure that we're not doing everything online because I think that's a little bit of a trap in itself to think that we're getting places by just creating videos or just doing uh, sharing information because the knowledge itself is in this mind up here. It's not in the body mind, which is the place that counts. It ha that, that's when it will have that effect. And it has a greater effect when we're around our brothers and sisters because we are a tribal species by nature. So the separation and some of us are a bit quiet, you know, like Bear and I, like I'm definitely would love to go to that festival at Yad, Mike, but on any given day, I'd rather be at home by myself under the stars or in the field like Bear than around heaps of people. Although for a short period of time, I would really enjoy that. So the, even those that of us, those of us that actually do prefer our own company and just to be around nature, we are still part of that. And when we tap into that, then great things happen. And as we know, that's what the system's trying to do its best to do. Divide us six feet apart. Don't go outside. But cover this so that your, um, you, you know, your, your nature is obscured. So it's just, you know, so that's what they're trying to do. So we've just got to make sure that we're doing what we know to be right for us. And community is the biggest aspect of that. So even if it's just a small thing, I would be aiming to do something small each day that encompasses uh, real interaction and real community. Mm, beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And that's why um, we do meetups uh, right now. We have the Alphabetic Co-op and people go and meet up uh, in person and with After Music and Sky and yeah, Helena and chat. That's so, she's so on point. She was amazing, by the way. Thank you, Helena. She said, it was so awesome. There's so much joy and peace. You could see it even in the dogs, all just wagging their tails and not even barking. And it was true, you know, and it was the field, right? It was the energetics reaching across physically. That's why we did a lot of breath work. We did a lot of body work. We did ice baths. We did a lot of dancing. We did a lot of hugging. It was like, it was very important. We're there viscerally physical together. 
Um, so uh, right on, Tom, and I know that's something that you're you're really um, working with in your community there in Oz through your platform and stuff. So that's powerful. And that's TomBarnett.tv, correct? Yeah. Okay, everybody, please go. And Tom, you just give put that out for free, right? I mean, is there like a donation yeah. or people can donate? Well, no, to people you? can. Yeah, because people have wanted to support for a while and I've never had a, a facility for it. So there's a donation function on the website, but everything's free. All the content's free. Wonderful. I mean, and that's the way to do it these days. That's how AlphaCast has been. We don't even talk about our products, really. Bear and I aren't even comfortable with that, really. Like, we just, we're creators, we're artists, and this is just another form of art. And I think that's that's the realm we want to go into, right? It's just like, put our creations, our art out there. It's like bartering our energy, right? And um, so, Tom, we love you, man. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Everyone, go support Tom. Uh, he is a bright, bright light over there uh, on Oz. And, and I know Bear and I both and our whole family would love to come out there and visit someday in a world where we can do that. Um, we are through some channels through Music and Sky and Reunion Summit and Alphabetic talking to some new forward thinking private sphere airlines that I think is going to be the future, which will be traveling in the private where yeah. we'll be able to put our resources together and have our own airports and which will be different. Everything will be different. And we can do that through, uh, through the private, private commerce. So we will get out there cause I've never been to uh, your neck of the woods and I really want to go. So, and I'm not going to let anything stop me. I've already envisioned myself there hanging with you uh, and around a fire and uh, with you and bear and your friends and our friends and coming together. And so I know it's going to happen already. It's already happening. So yeah, um, yeah, totally. yeah you're, <laughs> definitely, you're definitely welcome here. There's always places to stay. So it's uh, that'd be, yeah, I've felt that as well. You know, that, that whole thing of when you, you, you know, the end result, you felt it already, then it's, it's happening. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of joining those dots now. So I'm with you. Yeah. And of course you can come to the frigid waters of where we are and jump in uh, with a full wetsuit or go whim off style in our 55 degree ocean water. But Hey, no lineups here. If you're, if you want to surf Epic breaks, no lineups. That's why the old timers move here. Cause they can surf every day yes. and uh, without any crowds. So uh, awesome brother. Well, Hey, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, Bear any parting words for our guests, our community. No, just uh, thanks so much, Tom, for uh, being with us today. Always a joy, and I know we'll be talking soon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to both of you. Hey, guys, uh, to the community, thanks so much for supporting us. We love you. Uh, as always, we say, get, remember to get outside, grow something, get your feet in the dirt, go for a hike, take your dog for a, uh, dog for a walk in the forest. It really is the greatest healer and reminds us why we're here. We love you. Thank you. And we'll see you next week with Alex Zek. That'll be a good one. Cheers.